Welcome to Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell, bringing you the latest information for families seeking to adopt, adoptees, and women considering placing a child for adoption. Now, with today's program, here is Marty Caldwell. Well, welcome to Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell. It's such a pleasure to have you with us today. And again, we have another wonderful topic that I think you'll find very interesting for many aspects on the area of adoption. I want to remind you that if you'd like to get more information uh, regarding adoption, you can visit our website, letstalkadoption.com, and we provide a lot of answers to your adoption questions. You can also sign up for a newsletter there, and you can sign up to get archived programs of Let's Talk Adoption. Our guests include authors and educators, parents, birth parents, adoptive parents, adoptees, and others just touched by adoption. So I'm very pleased to bring our guest today to you. I want to get on with our program. Our guest today is Michelle. Um, Michelle, I'm going to go ahead and use your last name, Stuart. And uh, Michelle is uh, very unique in that she is a, uh, a birth mother that has done some reunification with her birth child. And uh, Michelle was a birth mother who at age 16 years old became pregnant and chose to make an adoption plan for her daughter. Now that was back in 1984. Her daughter now is 24 years old. And just this year, she was able to locate her daughter and begin the process of reunification. Today, Michelle lives in New Freedom, uh, Pennsylvania with her husband and four other children. Michelle works at John Hopkins ha School uh, of Public Health and is pursuing a career in public relations to counsel unwed mothers and to work with women who choose adoption and the need of support because she's been there. So, Michelle, thank you so much and welcome to Let's Talk Adoption. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, I have got so much that I want to share with our listeners about your story because we first came in contact when you emailed in to us and uh, your story was compelling and we thought you would be an interesting guest. Tell us a little bit of a history about, uh, about way back when you were 16, uh, a little bit of your history so that our listeners can catch up on where we're going to go. Okay, certainly. Um, I was 16 years old when I found out that I was pregnant. And, of course, my first reaction was shock and, oh, no, what am I going to do now? Um, but once I had made the decision to carry my child um, and I told my parents of the pregnancy and they were going to support me um, through this process, I knew that I could face whatever laid before me. Um, so one day in 1984, it was in September, I found... A postcard in the mail sticking out. Um, it was from the agency that I would um, go to in the future, and it said on it, pregnant, need help. And I said to myself, wow. well, yes, I am, and yes, I do. So How I called they the agency, in that and I made my first counseling yeah. appointment. And Did they know about you? After months of intense therapy, I chose an adoption plan for my daughter, I knew that at the age that I was when I would give birth to her at 17 that there was no way I could provide for her needs um, physically, financially, or mentally. So I did at the time what I thought was in her best interest. Mm -hmm. Did you? Did they know that you were pregnant or just a random postcard? A random postcard. My parents had been wow. supporting the agency for years and had asked to be taken off their mailing list. and. By a great blessing, they were forgotten, and so wow. the magazine came in with this postcard, and it was the day where I was contemplating what am I going to do with my child, and and how was I going to go through this, and how much was 
it going to cost me? Um, yes. And it was wonderful because they were able to provide everything that I needed. That's wonderful. And, you know, I think what, a, what an answer to prayer, because it sounds like here at all this time, you know, a lot of women have the questions of, um, how do I tell my parents I'm pregnant? How did you go about that personally? Uh, a lot of prayer. Um, I got, I became very ill um, very early on with my daughter. So I missed school. So the first week of school I missed completely. And then by the second and third week my mom was like, something's going on. I'm taking to the doctors. And mm-hmm. when the doctor came in and my mom left the room, I knew I had to tell my doctor. And then yeah. he helped me tell my mom. And then we had um, some help to tell my dad. And my parents yeah. just put their arms around me and told me that they loved me. And no matter what I decided, that they were going to support me. And mm-hmm. that made the world world of difference. And they say that it's that first reaction or rejection of exception, ac- accepting or rejecting is what will scar um birth moms, even before they right. even make the decision of what to do with the child. It's that, that, that first um, of how the parents are going to react. And that is actually the Reaction. scariest part. You know. that's, the, that's the scariest part. And I think it's education of, of all people because, you know, we never plan on having our children get pregnant. No. And, and so a lot of times, uh, I think, uh, as women, birth mothers or birth fathers, we think, okay, how did they respond last time when I crunched the car rear end or something? Right. Or I, you know, I forgot uh, my sister at school. I mean, you know, or do they have a really bad temper? And they, it, don't you think they equivocate that to, you know, what, what their parents are going to respond mm-hmm. to this? and blow it out of proportion with the hormones flowing. How did your dad take the news? Uh, my dad just stood. He was. He sat with his head down, and he stood, and he was the one I feared the most. And Because mm-hmm. um, I thought I was telling them the worst possible thing I ever could, and um, I had my head down. I was probably crying because I'm quite emotional, and mm-hmm. he stood up and told me to stand, and he just hugged me and told me that he yeah. loved me. And at that moment, it was that instant second, I knew that I was going to be fine. I knew it wasn't going to be easy by any means, but I knew that I wasn't alone. Yeah. What were your options? What did you feel out of your options that, that, um, that were your options available to you? Because there's abortion, adoption, well, parenting. Well, before I told my parents, I sought to have an abortion, but when I called the clinic, they told me that I needed a parental consent, but in the state of mm-hmm. Maryland, where I was living at the time, you do not. I was 16 years old, and a lady told me the wrong thing. So I remember the conversation, and I said, well, is that like a permission slip? And she said, well, yes, honey, it is. I said, well, I can't do that. My mom won't let me get my ears pierced. How is she ever going to let me do So I said, I can't do this. I hung up the phone. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I got really ill. I was at the doctor's probably two days later or so. And then once I told my parents, who are very pro-life, they said, you know, mm-hmm. we, can't, we can't watch you make that decision. We will still love you, but we can't support that decision. But as soon as I knew that they were going to support me and help me, I knew that that wasn't an option that for me. Um, it wouldn't come for months later to make the decision for the adoption. So what happened during that period of time you were sick and then uh, months you had, you had therapy and support? And uh, what caused you to think about not parenting but actually uh, adoption? Um, I would say probably I remember going through therapy with my counselor who I recently also have been reunited with. She turns 80 
this wow. year. So I'm wow. going to her birth her birthday party. How cool is that? And that is um, very cool. so anyway, she would have me focus on these workbooks. Um, mm-hmm. And I probably have them here at my parents' house in the attic if I really look for them because mm-hmm. I save mm-hmm. everything. And it just would talk mm-hmm. about where do you see yourself in three years? Where do you see yourself mm-hmm. in five years? And every time I looked at that picture of me and my daughter, I saw me struggling. I saw mm-hmm. her suffering. I I did not see anything happy. It was not when I had my other children and you plan for that baby and you can't wait to have that baby and then bring it home and share it with the family it just i saw her suffering and that really affected me um and i really think that those those thoughts and those those questions were so crucial because if you would have said oh let's talk about the pain that you're gonna feel well that was so overbearing in itself but to look down the road it helped me to see exactly what it was going to be like, mm-hmm. you know, um, in- I was 17. How was I going to raise a child when I still hadn't even graduated from high school yet? Right. And did you have any pressure from your friends? Did anybody else know? Um, my girlfriend, some of my friends knew, but a lot of them um, kind of left me because nobody kind of knew what to do with me. I was like the odd girl who had her baby. Um, mm-hmm. Then I was the odd girl who gave her baby up. And, you know, that was just, you know, even though I looked at it as I chose something very good for my daughter, they looked as I was, you know, just a bad mother. And so I really kind of didn't really have any friends that year. Um, cause how, I was, how did that ch- How did that feel, too? Because that's a big oh, concern. Someone, it was mm-hmm. horrible because, you know, I was a social butterfly and, and, mm-hmm. and just was friends with so many people. And then I was an outcast. And mm-hmm. I was an outcast for doing something so brave, and it really, it affected me. It really yeah. affected me. How did you get over that? Because that's a concern well, I, a lot of women have. I went back to school and graduated and showed them all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I went back my senior year. My mom uh, kind of knew that that's what I needed to do, even though I fought her every day. I didn't want to go. I'd sit in the car and cry, and she mm-hmm. said, you can't let them break you. My guidance counselor who I saw every day in her office, and she's like, mm-hmm. you've got to go and fight this. You cannot win. And when I graduated, my guidance counselor handed me my diploma. Um, she told the principal to sit down. She said, this, this girl's mine, and she handed it to me. And a lot of people in the school cheered and clapped because they knew what I had gone through, and yeah. I'll never forget that moment. It was very... Um, very significant in my life that I realized I come full circle one year later exactly and knew that, you know, I really had done an awesome thing for her and that, and and that I yeah, knew she had just turned one and I knew I was going to be okay. Did you get new friends? I mean, would um, life go on after that? I got some new friends, but not too, too many. I, I kind mm-hmm. of became sort of a homebody, hung out with a lot of my adult uh, friends of my parents, a lot of people in my church um, really mm-hmm. sheltered around me. And um, mm-hmm. I got along really, really well with adults because most adults could understand what I had done and supported yeah, my decision, and that kind of made me feel secure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This was 
probably one of the hardest decisions you ever had to make in your life. Have you ever regretted no, it? No, not for a day. Has it been easy? Mm-hmm. No. Have I cried yeah. for her? Of course. Have I loved her all these years? Of course. She's still my child. She came from my womb. I carried her in my body. Loved her the minute I felt her kick. I remember that day as if it were yesterday, and I birthed mm-hmm. her, and I had to walk away from her. And there was nothing in my life since that experience I've ever had to endure anything absolutely so painful. As a, as a 17-year-old, do you, do you feel like um, this is something that, that you made the, the right decision, that it was painful? Did you feel like you grew from it, or did you feel like it tore you apart? Or um, I think in the beginning I became numb. Um, the mm-hmm. first couple of weeks after, I just remember laying around and crying a lot. I remember this mm-hmm. hollow feeling, almost like a hollow tree. Like I had these pieces of me, but yet something was missing. And mm-hmm. then I decided I've always been able to embrace my experience, no matter even how much I cried. I never wavered from the decision that I made. I knew mm-hmm. that it was for her good, and I had hope that I would find her someday. I just mm-hmm. did not know when that was going to be. Um, mm-hmm. And But never for a second have I ever regretted giving her to two people who couldn't have a baby for eight and a half years. Wow. And did you get to select the family? I got to choose the family. The family. Um, there mm-hmm. were three files, and I chose the third file. Um, the uh, man teacher and the um, woman was a nurse Mm -hmm. so I knew that the dad would be home every summer with her which Mm -hmm. I thought was pretty cool Mm -hmm. and I knew that the mom would be able to take care of her if she got hurt yeah so I already thought I was already thinking like a mom before she was even born Mm -hmm. um and they got the call in July of that year that there was a baby girl waiting did they want her Wow. And, of course, they said, yeah. So tell me a little bit. I may, In your story you wrote to me, you put down um, that you gave birth to her at 121 p.m., and she weighed 8 pounds, 14 ounces, and went 21 and a half inches long, and she was the yeah. most beautiful thing you'd ever seen in your life. She says, I can remember the nurse placing her on my chest, and I rubbed her back and started crying. What, what was going through your head then? Um, I mean, I knew that this baby was going to come out of me, um, I never knew what it was going to be like because never having been a mom before. Um, and I remember her coming out. And I remember the nurse laying her right on my chest, and I could feel the warmth of her instantly. And I put my hand on her back, and they hadn't even cleaned her up yet. And mm-hmm. I remember her. She lifted her head. Looked, she heard my voice because mm-hmm. I was. I looked at my mom, and I said, Mom, I said, look how beautiful she is. I have never seen anything so beautiful. And then I put my hand on her back. And then it hit me like a train, and I looked at my mom, and I said, how am I ever going to be able to walk away from her? Mm. And I remember my mom just cried, mm-hmm. and we just cried. And But I just can remember that feeling of um, bittersweet. It was joyous that she was finally here. She was 10, ten days late. Mm-hmm. Um and then this sadness of I knew what was coming ahead, but I knew that the two days were going to come, and I thought, well, for two days, I'm not going to think about it. I'm a mom. I've, I've, I've um, been given this privilege to be a birth mother, and I'm going to embrace everything that I can with her, and I did. I did everything with that baby that, that I could. I bathed her, fed her, changed her, 
played with her, talked with her, and um, I was a mom for two days. And the hospital was phenomenally supportive. That's great, yeah. Um, I had my own nurse for the entire time. Um, she stayed with me the entire duration of my stay. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know... Yeah, and you um, can cry because uh, you, were, you went through and said... You know, that's what a lot of women feel like and a lot of adopted parents feel like. If she just spends time with the baby, then she's going to want to keep the baby. You have to grieve. In order to grieve, you have to say goodbye. That's why we have funerals. Yeah. When someone dies, we mm-hmm. have I that agree. time to grieve that loss. I always to, tell birth moms, you have to say hello before you can say goodbye. Exactly. You have to... You have to 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 you've you've just carried a baby. You have every right to to be with that child. Mm-hmm. I, I really think it's so so dangerous when when I hear um, moms say, "I didn't even look at my baby," and mm-hmm. every one of those that I have talked to have regretted it because they never some something in them is even missing more than what has been missing in me. Mm-hmm. And you feel because like they don't have that visual picture. They don't have that memory, and memory mm-hmm. is something that is very healing. I mean, that's yeah. we when we grieve our lost family members, we have memories with them, and that's what carries us through the whole grieving process. And you right. do grieve. I yeah. mean, <laughs> there's a lot of... Um a lot of tears. Yeah, through the process. I want after break. I want to come back and I want to ask okay. you about what that was like after those two days and if you wavered it off. So hold that thought. Okay, and we're thank going to take you. a quick break. We come back. We're going to be talking more with Michelle. Michelle is a birth mom that gave birth. Her daughter is now 24 years old, and we're going to talk about what that was like for her as a young girl with her family um, uh, and through an adoption and also reunification. So we're going to be at, come back right after this quick break. Don't touch that mouse. We'll be right back. All children deserve a home, and Lifetime Adoption wants to help those children find a home. If you are starting to explore adoption, Lifetime can help you learn more and find the resources you need. Lifetime has been committed to supporting birth families and helping children for nearly 20 years. They offer guidance and encouragement during and after your pregnancy. At Lifetime, open adoption means you make the choices. Choose the adoptive family, choose how much contact you want, and choose how you want the adoption to happen. The choice is up to you. Lifetime is known for their caring and genuine concern for the birth mother's well-being before and after adoption. They're able to provide adoption services to prospective adoptive families and birth parents from all over the nation. And Lifetime provides you with a 24-hour hotline for support and guidance. To find out more information, visit LifetimeAdoption.com. Give the gift of your home to a deserving child. Call 800-923-6784. Well, welcome back to Let's Talk Adopt Miss Marty Caldwell, and I am your host today. Today we are talking with a birth mother, Michelle. Michelle is um, as a birth mother. She gave birth at the age of 17, got pregnant at 16, and uh, chose adoption for her daughter, made an adoption plan, 
and uh, her daughter was born in 1984, so she just turned 24 years old, and she is now going into the field of adoption, going to be helping other people and birth mothers, too, so a lot of wisdom on what it was like. Before we left, Michelle, you were sharing a little bit about what the hospital experience was, that you had actually been in the hospital, saw the baby, cried because she was so beautiful, she looked at you, and you spent two days with her, changed her, fed her, kissed her, um, you know, and you can't, you're imagining at that time, you know, how you were going to be able to leave or how did you come to that decision that you could still go through with your adoption plan after all that? I never wavered when what I knew was best for her, that I knew that no matter how horrible I felt, that it wasn't about me. It wasn't about the moment of what I was feeling. It was about what she needed. Um, Adoption is probably, I think, one of the most selfless decisions that Mm -hmm. a parent can make. Um, We carry these little beings in our bodies. Um, They didn't ask to be there. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we're responsible for their well-being. And when you're young and don't really have a lot of options, what better gift can you give your child? First you give them life, and then you give them the journey of a road ahead of everything being provided for them. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't a decision that did not come with great pain mm-hmm. and um, a well, lot of tears. Well, you wrote down, too, is that two days later I had to walk away from her so I could have have her give her the life that she so much deserved, yes. uh, and a life I could not give her. And you said you anguished to keep her from yourself and you wanted the pain to go away, how did you do that? I mean, that's what a lot of women, they feel that pain is going to be there forever, and so they feel like, okay, well, this is just not right. I'm going to have to keep this baby. And then then we get phone calls a few months later when they just can't do it, which is very hard on the baby. What what helps you drive you through that period of time? Was it your faith? Was it family? I think a lot of it was a combination of what I knew to be the truth for Mm -hmm. me, Mm -hmm. my faith that I knew that, really that I really believe that God was calling me to do this for her and my family. If mm-hmm. it weren't for my family, um, that immediate um, physical yeah. help to my mom who held me many nights as I cried. Um, mm-hmm. My mom was my labor coach. Mm-hmm. Um, she was there when my daughter was born. You know, having being surrounded by love, it really helped me to weather the storm. Um, and as time went on, and time really does heal wounds, um, and I kind of went back into somewhat of a normal life, I just sort of went through the grieving process. And a lot of it I went through and didn't even realize I had gone through a whole step, you know, um, but I never turned from what I knew was best for my daughter. Well, and you, I, you prefer to speak to the woman out there that's listening to this right now that may not have the parents you have, that may not have the support or come from a broken home with maybe, you know, just one parent or they're even mm-hmm. on their own. Where can they reach out? I mean, I know that through, you know, through um, through a lot of adoption organizations, there are uh, lots of counselors and peer mm-hmm. support, too, which I think is very helpful. There's always someone that can help and support you. But mm-hmm. uh, for the woman that doesn't have the parent that's loving and caring or is from a very dysfunctional family, what can you suggest to her to help her when she wants to go through this but she's not getting the support she wants or needs? Um, I would first try to reach out possibly to a really good friend that this um, person can trust 
Um, I think possibly maybe getting connected with a church. I know that a lot of churches are affiliated with um, homes for unwed mothers, and that, that would be a wonderful nurturing environment mm-hmm. of one that would support the girl through this process. Right. Um, There's a website like adoptionbirthmomblessings.com. Uh, yeah, there's mm-hmm. so many agencies that are there to help girls. They are n- you're never really ever alone. You may feel alone, but you know, but it, it just usually starts with reaching out for one hand, and that hand will reach to another hand. And I guarantee you that everybody knows someone mm-hmm. that can help, whether it's a church or um, a charity or Lots a friend of, of a friend. Right, and I think you know, back then when you did this 24 years ago, there wasn't the internet. No. And so there's a lot more resources online. Oh, so you know. much abundance of resources. And I think it's abundant. I, yeah, and I share with uh, for women that are considering adoption to be careful on what you share online boards because you may get some people that are angry about adoption. So before you pour your whole heart, it's better yeah. to do it one on one and just kind of lurk and and check out what the posts are like. Yeah. But um, you know there are um, there's one thing with adoptionteleconference.com that we're going to be doing some uh, group um, birth mom. Uh, counseling and groups together where we actually have a therapist online and mm-hmm. answering questions so that you can do it from the privacy of your own home, which yeah. I think is really good, you know. Yeah. Um, so that's that's kind of the things that are coming up. But um, let's go on a little bit further. So you had you okay. went into court and your rights were terminated. And yeah. so um, what was that like? Was it any different? Um, each state's different as far as how they approach the termination of rights for birth mothers. And I'm not an attorney, but I just know they all change. What was that like that particular day? Um, it was a warm July day. Mm-hmm. Um, it was July the 11th, to be exact. And um, the judge that I had was a grandfather, mm-hmm. and he commended me on my bravery, as he called it, and my strength. Mm-hmm. Went through the normal questions that they asked. Did anyone pressure me? Um, did anyone pay me? You know, once we went through all the legal stuff, which I didn't really, you know, um, say that it was really that much too, too present, um, but it wasn't like anything on TV. It was very kind, very, um, very warm. Mm-hmm. And um, it wasn't in front I of a lot of people. So over, I remember looking at my mom, and I said, "Well, now what do I do?" Mm-hmm. You know, because I didn't know where I was to go next. Do mm-hmm. I go back to my life? Mm-hmm. What am I? I'm, I'm a mother, but I'm no longer a mother. And I was 17 at the time, and. Um, And I just remember thinking, I just need to have some time where I sort of don't think about this for a little while. Mm -hmm. Um, And just really, I really focused on making my future better, you know, and and not wanting to wallow in my decision, to be proud of my decision. Mm -hmm. And and I think what what better um, confirmation would it be to my daughter if I ever did find her again? Just to achieve something great in my life, mm-hmm. you know, that I did it for her, and I did it in honor of her. A lot of people feel her. that way. Yeah, they want to really, at that point, go on. Uh, you know, that's why the, um, you know, uh, I know with Lifetime Adoption Foundation, there are scholarships for birth mothers. Mm-hmm. And that's why a lot of them want to go on to school because they want to say this wasn't for nothing and that they want to exactly. prove to their birth child that, you know what, I went on and because of this, I just didn't go back to my old way of life. I actually did no. something of myself. Yes. Did you feel that way too then, huh? Yes, I just needed to do something that validated her, her life. 
Yeah. You know, and to know that I can hold my head up high and that I brought this life into this world and she's now beautiful and she's a college graduate and, you know... She's a school teacher, and that's just phenomenal. Well, you know, let's, I had something yeah, to do with that. And you sure did. And let's fast forward now, okay? Yeah. So let's let's talk about now we've gone forward, what, 23 years. It's now yeah. around Thanksgiving of, well, you, you decided when did, you decided around Thanksgiving to, to maybe search for her. Um, it was around Thanksgiving I made the decision to place her for adoption. Okay, all right. Of 84, and then around January of this year I had a dream. Mm-hmm. And this dream led me to my daughter's birth father, mm-hmm. who um, I contacted, mm-hmm. and he just had really been on my mind, and he and I were emailing one another, mm-hmm. and around her birthday, we decided to write her this letter mm-hmm. that I would take to the agency, and they delivered it. They found her five days later, mm-hmm. called me at work, and I was an emotional wreck, wow. and it was the best day of my life mm-hmm. and I got the phone call that um, your your daughter has been looking for you mm-hmm. and I just I cried I, I can't even begin to describe to you the tears wow. I went into the bathroom at work and I slid down the wall to the floor and I just cried and my friend Carol on the other end was just waiting for me she knew she does this a lot mm-hmm. she knew that it was just going to take me about 10 minutes to compose myself mm-hmm. and then I just found out information about her and my prayer had been answered Wow, and so you so you had sent this letter out. What kind of things do you suggest people put in, in a letter? I, I, I want to ask that before we go on with it because uh, I suggest a lot of times with birth moms I work with that that they actually write a letter from their heart when the child is born, you know, that it's put well, away. it's funny you say that because I wrote two letters. I wrote a letter to my daughter's parents before they adopted her. Mm-hmm. It was given to them on her adoption day, mm-hmm. and I wrote her the letter, and I started both letters they ident- the, the same way, which my daughter thought was kind of funny. She's like, do you always start all of your letters well, as I'm sitting here or mm. as I'm thinking? And, and yeah. um, so she has now two letters from me. That's She's funny. had my first letter all this time, uh-huh. and both of my letters were from my heart, and yeah. it just spoke of the, why I made that decision and how much I loved her, and it was because I loved her that I was doing this for her. Yeah. And it wasn't, and I had to stress to her that she was wanted. Yes, and I think that's important. It wasn't that I didn't care for her. I wanted to keep her. If I could have just woken up and everything been perfect, then maybe I would have been able to keep her. But I knew that that was not going to be best for her. Mm -hmm. The chances are she wouldn't have a life today because of how old you were at the time or your circumstances. And the gift I gave her parents. Mm -hmm. And the gift that will give her children, and it just goes on and on. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about, so, you know, that was really nice that you were able to do that, and I see that happen, too, that, you know, that you did it at a point where she was able to contact you before you were no longer on this earth, uh, which is important. A lot of people put it off and think, oh, I really don't want to, they're afraid of w- rejection, mm-hmm. and and sometimes that does happen, too, mm-hmm. but I think that's important that the, that that women that are pregnant or considering adoption or even if they've already placed is to have a letter written to that child so that child mm-hmm. knows how much they were loved because that goes on in our subconscious for the rest of our life and it's never yeah. too late to write a letter uh, if you've placed a child uh, six years ago or ten years ago or so uh, is, to, is to have that letter and have it in with the adoption professional that you 
um, make a copy of it and have it in there with it with them for yep. their files because if anything should happen at least they have that in there yeah. as permanent records and um, it, it'll help you don't you feel like when you wrote that letter it was healing Oh, very healing, very healing, and and I really believe, you know, back in January, I was being prepared for all of this. Mm-hmm. I was being prepared not only to find my daughter, but to bring healing for myself, to bring healing to her father, who never knew her name, mm-hmm. who didn't have pictures of her that I have. I have 18 sheets of pictures of her. Wow. He had three. Wow. All these years, he thought he destroyed my life. Yeah. So I was able to bring healing to him for yeah. that, and I thought he deserved that. Yeah. And, and what it's done for my, for just for me myself, um, mm-hmm. and then to find my daughter, on top of that, is just the icing on the cake. Yeah, and I think too is that uh, it, 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 what you're saying right now, Michelle, is that I hear communication is key in everything because yes. you thought one thing, he thought another thing. You know, your your daughter, birth child, would have thought of something else. And then all the fears that go in with the adoptive parents or your family and uh, the fears, I really think being honest and upfront and speaking from the heart is really yep. important. And with that, you can speak from the heart without hurting someone's feelings, without exactly. being belittling or putting them down. And I think that it goes even well with uh, the birth family's parents, you know, when she's trying to tell them, you know, we've all made mistakes in life. Some of us got caught and some of us didn't. And, and, mm-hmm. and any of us that think that that's not true are just in denial. Mm-hmm. And I think it's very important that we realize that all of us, by the grace of God, could be uh, in the same situation you exactly. were in at 16. Yep. And that the you made a wise decision because you, and now this many years later, it sounds like your daughter's done very well. Tell me, you're going back and you're emailing back and forth now and yeah. technology's wonderful. And uh, <laughs> how far away does she live from you? Another state or? Um, she is, um, for the last, well, since the fifth grade to present, she had been living about an hour from my home. Uh-huh, wow. Um, and she has since moved, and she's now four four hours away. I see. Um, she moved, her and I both moved the same weekend. Oh, that's funny. Um, so I haven't had an email from her in almost two weeks just because we both have been so incredibly busy but reunification is the most emotional experience I have ever gone through in my entire life even more so than the, than the than, than oh, choosing. it is much harder than it's just different I won't mm-hmm. say that it's harder it's just it's a different stage mm-hmm. um it's one of continual not not knowing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not in any control of this. Mm-hmm. My daughter has complete control because she sets the tone for how often we communicate. Yeah. If and whenever yeah. I'll be able to meet her. Yeah. You know, I have to wait. Once again, I have to cling on to the hope that I have, the hope that I had for 24 years that she was healthy and that she had the life that I had prayed for her. Mm-hmm. Now I have hope again that I will hold my child again. Yeah. And, um, I just have to wait. I have to wait for her to come to that in her time and right. in her way. And, they're all, and that's yeah. a little hard for me. Yeah, I think so too. And I think it's not to a point that would dissuade anybody from choosing adoption now. No. Because there, there's so many different types of... Your adoption was almost uh, just semi-open, which means you, you chose a family, but you remained not in contact other yeah, than photographs. Yeah, no, I didn't have any contact. And a lot of times, uh, you know, birth families now can have more ongoing contact. Yeah. So there's not that big element of surprise so many years down the road. And there's so many options in adoption that I think is really important. And I think I'm seeing more and more, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about, you know, the openness you had and getting lots of photographs, too. Do you feel that I see now more women choosing open versus a closed adoption? Um, You know, did you have an option? 
I have not had um, much experience with the open adoption. Um, that was not really an option to me back in 1985 as it is now. Um, I'm not sure if that would have been the best thing for me, knowing how emotional I am Mm -hmm. and how attached I get to even puppies. (laughs) So I I really think that it was sort of best for everyone. I think that I would have been very um, emotionally draining Mm -hmm. to the adoptive parents, and I think that I just needed that kind of a break, Mm -hmm. you know, that sever. Um, But I never... She never left my heart. Just because I chose adoption for her and I relinquished my rights, nowhere did it say that I had to relinquish my rights to love her still. Right. And I really think that that's the joy that, you know, and if I were to tell, if you were to ask me, well, what what the one thing you could tell a birth parent Mm -hmm. is you have every right to love that child. Right. And no one can take that from you. And nope. no, no one I'm can, the one who gave yeah. her life. Yeah. I'm the one that carried yeah. her. Yeah, and, and I think there's so many options. Well, and I think a lot of times women, especially young women like you were in their teens, um, their parents are saying you must have an abortion, you must place a child, mm-hmm. you must parent your child. And really it's, it's going to be um, an educated decision and what's best for you with support of someone mm-hmm. that can support that. And being realistic too, like you said, you went through a workbook mm-hmm. and uh, talked to other people and not making a rash decision. You know, how, you know, you're giving great suggestions and, and advice to other women birth parents. How about, Michelle, you know, as a birth mother yourself, what would you suggest uh, for uh, adoptive parents looking at adoption um, as some some pointers? Because they're very fearful the birth mom is going to change her mind. They're very fearful that that uh, later on down the road the birth mom is going to want the baby back or um, that they will never be the real parents, which I don't think is, you know, as adoptive mother myself, um, you know, I'd feel definitely like I am my son's, my daughter's mother, but um, that I know they have biological families too. What can you recommend to adoptive parents? Um, probably just to be thankful for the gifts that you've been given. I think um, what I've learned from this experience, I think that sort of what gets lost in the the journey of, of adoption is the, the sacrifice of the birth parent. I think that, and I think that it's just the way that we just sort of are put together to be able to go on. We go into our normal life. We want that child to feel normal. We want that child to feel like it belongs in that, in that, mm-hmm. fam, in that family. And, um, but I think that I would encourage the adoptive parents to really be thankful um, I know that's one thing for me personally, you know, I, I just wanted to know that I made a difference to someone, mm-hmm. you know, that I gave this couple, this baby, um, and I knew that they longed for this child and prayed for this child, um, and I think that it would be very, it's natural for the birth parent, whether it's the birth mother or the birth father, we can't forget our birth fathers, mm-hmm. um, to to think about that child. Um, you know, again, I don't have much experience with the op- open adoption in the way of how much contact should be given. Um, I think that's per case. Mm-hmm. You know, I think so too, depending on. Com- comfortable right. With. It's just and, nice having um, medical information and yeah, things like that. Yeah, you know, like my daughter, she was curious. She said, I just wanted to know where, where my hair color came from. Mm-hmm. I asked her, what made you think to start to look for me? And, and she asked me, what was what is what is your blood type? You know, mm-hmm. so those are just common questions. And the night that she contacted me, um, 
on the computer, we chatted online for three and a half hours. Wow. And just asked the most funniest questions. What's your favorite cereal? What color are your eyes? Mm-hmm. You know, are you left, left-handed or right-handed? Um, and I think that if, they're, if there's an adoptive parent that's going through the reunification, watching their child, um, you know, I can't even imagine how hard and how scary that must be, mm-hmm. you know, but to... To, to rest to rest assured in the time that you've had with your child, that your child knows who the parents is. You know, my daughter has said that to me over and over. I know my parents are secure that they know that I love them. Right. Um, her parents are very supportive of our relationship, so I feel very blessed. Yeah. You know, that I have this time with her. And see, I feel, too, I, I am the one that's always pushed reunification for my children and mm-hmm. contact because I have because I've had so much education and I had to learn, I had to, I had to come to this point where I had this knowledge that I don't see anything that, but beneficial. Uh, you can't have enough people love your children. Exactly. And so I don't feel threatened by it. Now, you know, I, I, at one point when my son was, you know, just an early teenager, I, maybe at that point because, you know, they're rebellious and it's like, oh, you know, his, his birth mom's going to be easier on him than I would. But, you know, <laughs> as they get older and they get on their own way, I think that changes a lot of times, too. Mm-hmm. And so as we mature as adoptive parents and birth parents and, the, and adoptees, mm-hmm. that I think we look at life differently and, and we look at different values and what's important to us. And I think that, um, you know, it, it always saddens me when I hear someone say, I really don't care to look, you know, my parents, my real parents, which I believe that. But we never know what's on the other side, that maybe there are some medical things or maybe someone needs that healing of just knowing I made the right decision, you know, that that there was a reason behind there, you know, that I was loved or Mm -hmm. that the circumstances were this that will change the whole outlook. And a lot of people are fearful of that. I think that's important. Michelle, any last closing, you know, thoughts? Because I know that the decision you made in 1984 as a birth mother shaped your whole entire adult life, right? Oh, my gosh. Yes. <laughs> it, um, my decision, it made me face reality um, that it was no longer about me, that I was no longer this te- teenager where the world, the world revolved around Michelle. Um, I was now Michelle and a baby, and I was responsible for this little person, and so adoption, believe it or not, it came kind of easy to me. Um, the walk did not come easy, but the decision. And, um, and I just knew in my heart that I was doing the best thing for my daughter. And then I had hope, and that's what has carried me for the duration of 24 years. That um, I hoped that my child would have the best life that she could have, and her, all of her dreams came true. Mm-hmm. Um, I hoped that I would have further ch- children, which I do. I have three boys and another daughter. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, so I am truly blessed with a loving husband who's also adopted mm-hmm. and who encouraged me to send my daughter the letter. So if it weren't for him, I would not have possibly done that mm-hmm. right away. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to, you know, I always want to give him... <laughs> Credit, that's, that's great, and, and hopefully this, you know, your interview today will help other people encourage them to do the that same thing. That is my dream. You know, my dream is just to re- reach out to as many people as I can to explain the joy of adoption. It's not a scary thing. Mm-hmm. Yes, it comes with pain, and yes, there's no, there's no way of 
around the pain, but it can be such a rewarding experience. Yeah, and that's great that you're going into right now into public relations to counsel unwed mothers yes. and to work with them yes, and choose adoption. It is awesome. See how many opportunities I've had just since April. It's unbelievable. Yeah, that's great, Michelle, and I hope that we'll hear more about your career and also working with it, and I just want to thank you uh, for being on Let's Talk Adoption today and oh, the sharing. Thank you for having me. This yeah. is such a delight. And it's uh, it's a delight to have you, and I hope that you know, our listeners will enjoy it as much as I have and that we'll learn a lot that adoption is wonderful and that uh, you're a perfect living example. Uh, you know, 24 years later, what it's like and that your life has gone on and been very rich and been blessed with other children and that um, life does not end at an unplanned pregnancy. No, I think that's when it begins. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. God bless you, and I You're appreciate it. You're very welcome. Okay, speak to you soon. Okay, thank you. thank you. Well, this has been Marty Caldwell on Let's Talk Adoption, and we've ended our program today, and I just want to thank you so much for joining us. I want to let you know there's lots of resources available for you on letstalkadoption.com. Also, you can visit birthmomblessings.com or openadoption.com. You'll find lots of resources available to you. Uh, Until next week, we have another program. This is Marty Caldwell. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye now. Thank you for joining us for Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell. For more adoption information, visit LifetimeAdoption.com or call 1-800-923-6784. That's 1-800-9-ADOPT-4. And tune in again next week at the same time for Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell.